0: Today is Thursday, July 27th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, can one repent after death? Of course not. Uh, First, it's appointed to man to die, and then comes the judgment. But some people disagree with that. Some guy on Facebook really disagrees with that. Anyway, biblically speaking, no. Um, You make your decisions, your choices, you decide what you're going to do on this side of life, and you're done. That's it. No take backs. Whatever you do here, um, you don't get to repent of that later afterwards. Um, So be on the right side of things here and be on the right side of things there. Um, Okay. And then we talk about censorship. Maybe censorship is what we talk about first. I think it is. My my woes with godless LinkedIn. uh, Apparently they have an aversion to crosses. Um, Anyways, so hear about that. Um, I think increasingly we're talking, gosh, so much stuff is inter- tra- I- like intertwining recently. We're talking about censorship and spirituality and how it's increasingly um, more difficult to separate that. And then politics, like all of these things were, were kind of compartmentalized, but now it's like everything's just merging together in one like big melting pot um, between government, politics, spirituality, Christianity, religion, the church, censorship, all of this social stuff. It's just all becoming harder and harder to separate, so we have to talk about it all in, all inclusively. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. On one hand, it's like, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, coming to divide, uh, you know, and set people against each other. So I wonder if, if for too long people have just talked about religion in one area and politics in another area, and now because they're increasing, like, with Christian morality— and ethics, that's also playing a part into it. And it's like that's spilling over to our social structures. So when we talk about Jesus, now we have to talk about drag queen story hour at school because it's inevitably going to come up and like something to do with morality. Um, and if someone has not an aversion to Jesus, but they are um, they have a really certain type of social thing where the morality is against the morality of the Bible, I wonder if that's like Jesus where he talks about setting people against each other, how that's forcing the issues. It's like, okay, well, if you say you want to let everyone just, you know, worship who they want worship how they want, and you're you're okay with all of that, and, you know, God's fine, Jesus is fine, um, maybe it's kind of like instead of being lukewarm, how he's going to spit you out of his mouth, the issue is being forced. So now you can't just say Jesus is fine. If you say Jesus is okay, like you're not really a believer, but, you know, you don't have a problem with him. I think it's like, well, now's the time to become a believer or have a problem with him, Uh, because you know Jesus is more than just um, you know white Jesus on a on a painting in a Catholic church somewhere. Like he is a real guy, he's a real God who sacrificed himself for us. That part sounds good, even to people that don't believe. They're like, okay, well, you know, it's a nice fairy tale. I don't believe it, but it sounds nice. Well, he also says other stuff, right? The whole lukewarm or spit you out of your mouth. Depart from me. I've never knew you. Workers of iniquity. Uh, You know, go into the the lake of fire prepared for the prepared for the devil and his angels. Um, So he says some pretty tough stuff like he is the only way. So if you have another religion, another philosophy outlook of life, sorry, you're wrong. You're going to burn in hell for eternity. Um, So maybe and morality, right? Like marriage is one man and one woman under God um, with with God presiding over that. Um, And if you have a different view, if you didn't have a problem with Jesus now, well, get a problem with Jesus. You shouldn't. You should fall on your face before God, repent and believe the gospel, and be saved and have eternal life. But if you don't want to do that, maybe this is God's way of forcing people because, I don't know, the world's about to end for the thousandth time. Or maybe this is to set things on the precipice, like, you know, for the end of time. Not saying it's, like, anytime soon. Just saying, like, maybe this is a becoming a shift. And it's probably not in all countries across the world. But, I mean, you know, it's worth, it's worth taking note of. Uh, these things could be converging for a reason. So, like, a thousand years from now, we could look back and be like, oh, 2023, that's really when this stuff started coming together and started happening and you couldn't separate religion and politics in uh, North America. Um, So, you know, not trying to be like, the end is nigh. I mean, it very well could be. (laughs) We may not make it out of 2023. No one knows the day or the hour. That's the point. So, um, don't just be like, Jesus is fine. Consider all the stuff Jesus says. And then be like, well, is that the world you want to live in? Uh, because he's ha- he has some pretty heavy-handed stuff to say. Um, he has a very s- certain outlook for how we should our- live our lives. Love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. Um, anyway, so what else do we talk about? We talk about some philosophical stuff. I bang my head in the oven door. Because um, people are talking about philosophical stuff. Um, then we talk about the soul. And some dude tries to speak for all of Judaism and is like, they have no concept of the soul. Like, have you read the Old Testament? Have you looked at, like, even modern day Judaism? Like, their their concept of the thing you say they don't have a concept of? So, you know, I guess we we do a little Judaism apologetics. I mean, that's, that's you know, we're Christians. We believe Jesus. But in the interest of accuracy and, you know, not letting people just spread misinformation oh why am i doing that misinformation spread things that are inaccurate I, I just like i just like triggered my own self with that word it's misinformation like actual misinformation what do you call that lies i was trying not to say lies but maybe we should call things what they are lies or i mean if he was truly ignorant then i guess ignorance but um anyways whoo enjoy this podcast you may not enjoy me, but enjoy the podcast. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Buy a t-shirt. Support the cause. You can also click to donate on PayPal to keep us funded and going and support us sharing the gospel with people and at least presenting correct information from the biblical-based truth um, of God. So, take care. Share these links. Goodbye. Uh, we could talk about censorship. Let's talk about that. So, uh, you know, someone recently told me I needed to get a LinkedIn account because that'll be great to engage with people and network and all this fun stuff. And, you know, for them, it seems like it works and, you know, they're very successful doing it. However, I was skeptical. I'm like, no, that's not really my thing. I don't want to do that. I'm not part of the world. They're like, Oh, well, you know, it's just networking, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, fine. So, you know, I took their advice. I went to the trouble of creating an account, taking some time, setting it all up just right. You know, uh, went through the profile steps, linked everything together, set it all up. Anyway, um, I was trying to use one of their free trial things and it, it would never work. It was like, you know, try our extra networking tools and, you know, you get a month free. I'm like, oh, okay. But it made you put a credit card in, you know, so it's like one of those free trials, but, you know, cancel before it ends, or it will charge you. So I went ahead and put it on my credit card stuff and it, it never accepted. And I used multiple, multiple cards. So I'm like, okay, it's not a problem with me. This thing just doesn't like it. So I put in a support ticket. And this is like day one, right? Like I haven't made a post. I haven't done anything controversial. The most controversial thing, controversial thing I had was my logo, like a cross with the circle around it with a question mark um, saying, ask a Christian. That's the most controversial thing on the profile. So anyway, a couple of days went, got, uh, went by, never heard a support answer. Um, so then I, uh, I got this email. It's like, your account's been suspended. I'm like, for what? So I click back in. It's like, uh, your account's been suspended. You have to verify your identity. I'm like, okay. So I had to go through this whole checklist, like put in where I'm from, like submit my driver's license, like pictures, all this other stuff. I'm like, this is a lot to do for a stupid LinkedIn account, right? So um, anyways, I, I do that. I jump through their hoops. And then the, uh, the next day um, – or, or no – uh, it was all fine for like another week. And I, I didn't do anything. I never post there. I never use use the thing. But um, anyway, so uh, about the next week, my podcast platform allows me to automatically distribute my podcast. Uh, you know, like just, it sends a link, like a post to like Facebook and some of these other places. And one of the places was LinkedIn. So, you know, I set it all up and, you know, had it automatically posting. So it made about five posts, like one per day for, you know, like a work week. And yesterday uh, evening, I'm like, you know, I haven't heard anything from LinkedIn. So I was looking at my platform on my uh, pod hosting thing, and it said it was disabled. I'm like, well, why? And it's like, your authentication failed. So I I went to LinkedIn. It's like, oh, your account's been suspended. And about that time, I got an email saying, you violated our terms of service. Uh, You have to verify your identity. So I did the driver's license again, and uh, it came back. Well, I guess that was a couple days before. Um, so last night is when the resolution came. About the time I found out that it was disabled, and it's like you violated our terms of service repeatedly. Your account's been permanently suspended. I'm like, what the heck did I possibly do? And it's something to mention that you know you have to navigate a sea of rainbows over there. So like everything is like LGBTPS, like everywhere you look. But that shouldn't affect me because I ignored it. I didn't post. The only post I did, I'm, I'm talking too long, was auto post some links to my podcast so such scandalous titles as mostly civil dialogue with a muslim the baptism of jesus church authority if god calls you to be a pastor be a pastor women pastors doesn't say anything about it that's just the title May, uh, anyway maybe it says we're all for it they wouldn't know uh, not everything is protestant church father rumble christianity in sweden uh livius.org, whatever. Remember that conversation? And women pastors again. Why didn't the disciples recognize Jesus? So these are about the only titles it posted for me to get permabanned on LinkedIn. So I'm like, all right, guys, before I think this is like religious persecution, because you see it's a Christian platform with a cross, not just like a Christian business who's like, we value, you know, sort of kind of the Bible. And, you know, we look favorably on religion and call it Christian business. I'm like, what am I supposed to think? Like I gave you my license. I, you know, added my real profile picture. I didn't I didn't even post anything. I didn't argue in anyone's anyone's stuff or nothing like that. Anyway, so that's my sob story. So the point is, I think I was talking to someone that instead of like, you know, all the censorship and people being deplatformed and debanked and all this stuff. I think the answer is, you know, it's like uh, what when when Rome, uh, when Rome was starting to fall, a bunch of Christian communities came out from Rome. And like went to the, went to the fields and went to the rural areas and started their own like parallel Christian economies. Uh, so they didn't have to like their whole Christian, everything like they didn't, they didn't worry about like how much they could still keep one foot in Rome and also live their lives. They just like cut ties and ran. So they didn't have to be part of the debaucherous society. They didn't have to rely on them for food, for wealth, for money, for living. They just brought all their Christian communities out and made like a parallel economy, which is kind of what people are recommending and doing today. And I think that's the answer. So like going forward, man, I mean, it's like, why do I want to try to keep, which I didn't anyways, I just kind of talked into it, but why do I want to keep one foot in, in this world where it's like, and again, not not me, right? Like I, I'm not the most supremely persecuted person ever. This is just my experience and it was lame. And I think unjust for no reason. Um, Anyways, so the point is, if like, you know, the new threads that apparently everyone loved for a day and now is leaving and it's falling apart or, you know, Twitter, where you kind of think it's okay, except every now and then you're like, Oh, they got banned for what? I thought Twitter was free now. Or like Facebook where it's like, well, I haven't got banned yet. Maybe they're letting us play ball. Like instead of trying to find places who, who just allow you to exist there, maybe find people who actually encourage you to exist there. So I think like, you know, that's why I I tried to hedge. And I mean, you know, I have my, I have stuff going to like, you know, bitch you because they're never going to ban anything there. And like, you know, gab and like legit people that are like, yeah, this is freedom of speech to the point that it makes people uncomfortable. But we're Christians and, you know, we support God. We love, you know, God, family, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we're going to allow like freedom of speech as long as, you know, there's like some limits. The, that's the point. Anyway, so maybe we need to look for people like us. Um Rather than just people who will be okay with us. There we go. That's all I got. What do you guys think of that? Nothing. I'll Censorship.
1: keep going. Censorship. <laughs> uh, I'm going have to talk quick because I know if I go give you get airspace, it's gonna sound like, sound real loud. Censorship on any basis. Uh, LinkedIn is a. For, it's for social media. I have a LinkedIn account, and no one has ever tried to do that to me. I wonder why. What the heck is that? When when my wife gets clo- too close to the line, but th- because oh. we got tra- <laughs> we got road construction going on, so we can't help. It. We got to ride a little closer to the line
0: than than normal. Oh, that's why that was. Uh huh. So
1: you hear you, you hear you hearing that little sound? That's the that buzzer that goes off. It's a warning buzzer. We, well, I got to stop now because we really want to hear it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that was the craziest thing. What about you, Chris? What's your thoughts on that? I'm at the diner. Not the diner. Of course, you're at the diner. Michael, thank you for uh, saving us. We've missed you the last couple days. Hope all is well. Well, while you find your mute button, <laughs> what's up, son? Oh, I said, "Hey, hey, everything's good." Sorry. Oh, didn't hear you. Uh, Noza, what's up? Are you speaking?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I was just listening to the story. I, I, although I came at the end there that you were sharing, uh, it is it is quite un, unfortunate to be honest. Uh, I think obviously we should expect things like this yeah, and uh, try and grow a thicker skin. That's what I, 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 I that's what I plan to do. Yeah, so it's it's unfortunate, yeah, but it's it will continue happening and it would increase in intensity, to be honest. That's, that's the the direction that it's going.
0: Yeah, yeah and it's crazy because, uh, I mean, you know, like thick skin, yeah, I get it. Like, maybe I sound like I'm whining too much, but, um, you know, I'm not crying over spilled milk. I, I'm just like really noticing, like, I mean, it is for absolutely nothing, right? Like, if I was like a protester in Michael's atheist rally. And, uh, you know, I'm screaming, you know, you're going to burn in hell demons and, you know, like really going next level, I would expect some pushback, but when I just like set up a Christian profile and uh, it's like, you violated terms of service repeatedly. I'm like, for what? Um, anyway, that just kind of blindsided me. So I don't know if there's just someone that's like saw a cross and they started like burning and they're like, oh no, I'm going to melt if I don't get rid of this guy. I mean, I can't be the only one with a cross on the, on their profile. So I, I don't know what their deal is. Um but
2: anyway yeah so it's uh, crazy very very crazy but uh, I think one of the solutions there or the solution or suggestion you gave that uh, maybe you may need to um, get I mean use some uh, I'll say widely accepted word like some safe space yeah I'll use that word safe space where you're with people who understand you and who are happy to to, to accept you. I, I think that is good, but I would still suggest that the place that we are needed most is still the place where we are not accepted. To be honest, I think and the that's...
0: place we need it where we're needed most is the place where we're one of the least. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. I think that's the place we're needed. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's 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 tough and it will get tougher. Yeah, and it will get tougher. Sadly. So
0: how you been, Michael?
3: Good. Just give me a minute.
0: Sure, sure. Let's see. Another thing we can talk about uh, besides my sob story is, which, by the way, I mean, it wasn't really a sob story. Like the main takeaway from that is, you know, maybe we should look for places that actually really want to host, uh, you know, diversity of thought and not just tolerate it. Um, Anyway, I guess it was kind of like a waking up moment to that. Um, Anyway, so repentance after death. I don't know why um, this turned into such a conversation, but goodness, on some of these threads I follow on, on these groups, which are currently tolerating Christian discussion, because <laughs> um, they're full of cultists, maybe. Um, there's just all these like weird, weird thoughts of, of ideas that y- you are just not mainstream, and they're wrong. But I'm like, why are there just so many people crawling out of the woodwork? Um, so this this one guy was going back and forth about, you know, how how, where does it say in the Bible? You can't repent after death. So that's my question to, uh, no, sir, so I don't know you super well. Um, but I, I guess Sean and Chris and whoever from a Christian perspective wants to weigh in on that. So, um, I could tell you what I dug up in a little bit, but let's see where your go-to is. Um, so, so when someone says you can totally repent after death, um, even Michael as an atheist, when he dies, He'll realize he was wrong, and he'll be like, "Oh, oops, God, I'm sorry," and he'll be able to repent and be saved. So, why would you guys, from a Christian perspective, say that can't happen?
2: Um, to be honest, I, 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 the, the way, um, you put it there, someone who doesn't believe in God, I don't think, I don't think there could be repentance after death for that. Yeah, but I have a, a string of thoughts that I'm trying to get them, uh, to the, to the tip of my. My my lips, but let me go and mute for a while and think and do some uh, research and come back to you. Yeah,
0: sure, Sean. How about you? What Bible verses would you give for someone that doesn't agree? that It's important.
1: You- unto man, wants to die, and then the
0: judgment. That's what I said, and then he's like, "Um, he he wasn't he wasn't buying it because he's like." Well yeah, the judgment, but it doesn't say that you can't repent before the judgment. I'm like, "Dude, it's just it's implied so much." I mean, like how do you how do you not get that? He's like, "How do you get that?" I'm like, "The whole Bible." He's like, "Fine, that's my answer too." <laughs> yes, Chris. Hebrews 9:27. Hebrews 9:27. Well, let me look that up. While I look that up, like you know, I was pointing to all the ones about, you know, the lake of fire is eternal and stuff like that, and, you know, you you're not getting out of hell. Um Meaning like, the clear implication as if what Sean said wasn't enough. Like once you're there, there's no oops, let let me get a do-over card. Like you're you're there forever. Like forever means forever, and if forever means forever, there's no chance to repent. of oh, forever. Uh what did he say, Hebrews nine, uh, what was it, Chris? Twenty-seven Hebrews nine. Hebrews nine, twenty-seven. Oh, I'm already oh, that's what we talked about yesterday. I'm still bookmarked there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what we all said. That's why I'm bookmarked there. Yeah, it's a point. Yeah, we, we both said that. Justice is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. And, yeah, and, I mean, I was trying to just, like, go the extra mile because, I don't know, I guess, like, whatever. But, yeah, he, he wasn't buying that. He's like, well, yeah, but after you die, if if there's a judgment, um, you could be able to repent between there. Yeah, so I guess that we'll just let that go. I mean, that's kind of like, show me where Jesus is God. It's like here's where Jesus is God all through the Bible. They're like, no, that's not right. You're like, all right, well, live your own life. Yes, Michael.
3: Yeah, that kind of just like even to to me just kind of looks like a you're trying to make you know that's the ultimate kind of like glass half full perspective. Um, I was just thinking kind of off the top of my head. I can't think of anything from the Bible that says anything <laughs> silly like that. Um, but but to me it just kind of but to me it just kind of this will sound harsher than I mean it to, but I've been away from you guys for a few days. So my, perhaps my, my helmet of charity plus five is, is, it's dim somewhat. It just kind of reeks of the, the ultimate carrot and stick. Right. Um, and so like, like this is the kind of thing I I get asked this question a fair bit, you know, like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, it's not something like it doesn't enter my realm of like my stream of consciousness. I don't spend any time thinking about it. Um, because there's nothing I can do to help with what, and we've talked about this a billion times, Nate, of what I'm convinced of versus what I'm not convinced of. Um, and so I just kind of go on with my life, and that's the best. That's the best that I can do. It, it, it is, it, but yeah, I do think it's kind of funny when people think about, oh, you know, you know, repenting after death yeah, just kind of seems funny to me.
0: Hello, Josh. Yesterday, you were invoked. Uh, you, you and Mrs. Bowen. I'm not sure if she's a doctor as well, but um, the question someone brought up was about Egyptologists and how um, how do, why do Christians still believe in the Exodus when uh, sort of quote um, Egyptologists uh, have a consensus that it or no no before consensus they said it was provable that that it did not happen, and I'm like, well. So, you know, a quick little search will say that apparently there is no consensus. It is a hotly contested debate still. So, you know, surely there's some Bible person out there that's like, yes, I totally proved the Exodus happened. And no one agrees with him. And there's probably some Egyptologist out there who's like, yes, I've totally proved it did not happen. And people are disagreeing with him. So I'm sure there are people that make claims of proof and disproof. But it seems like amongst the wider culture of Egyptologists, there is not a definitive consensus. Anyway... So he said that, I guess he's like, he brought up you. I'm like, oh, he's not here. I wish he was here. But, uh, you know, Dr. Bowen's wife had someone they were interviewing who was an Egyptologist. And he's like, uh, and, and they told her that there was a consensus that it did not happen. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, if this is just someone she's interviewing, is it possible that this was not the most honest interviewee? Or did they think there was a consensus around their group? Or, you know, there's lots of possibilities besides someone told you something and it's absolute truth anyway, but you were, you're, you were invoked. So do you have anything to, yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's cool. cool. Um, uh, I, I guess probably, well, I don't know if it was, but, um, like when we talk about, when people talk about consensus in that context, like they're talking about, um, sort of subject matter experts in that field, so there are like there are certainly <clears throat> scholars that will argue for the at least the general historical veracity of the the biblical account of the Exodus. So people like Kenneth Kitchen, James Hoffmeyer, David Falk, um, and these are you know well trained Egyptologists. Um, but like certainly the vast majority. Uh, of biblical scholars, archaeologists, um, you know, or, or I, I think what would make up the consensus would say, yeah, like was there, you know, some historical kernel or something, maybe, uh, but the way that the biblical texts portray it, that uh, it, it didn't happen that way. There is a, there's, a, there's always a book that I recommend in this context, and then I'll, you know, but, um and I always mess up the title, but it's something like the Exodus and a Transdisciplinary Approach, something like that. And there's an article in there, or one of the contributions is by a uh, guy named Lawrence Garrity. And he basically does a sort of a meta-analysis of all the different positions that subject matter experts in the field hold. Um, and so, I mean, it speaks directly, directly to that. But yeah, I mean, like, There are obviously evangelical scholars that would, you know, like, again, like the three I said, that would say, no, no, it's, you know, it's, it's at least generally historically reliable.
0: Well, that is a fair and thought out position. I always appreciate your uh, contributions. And I I do, you know, I do get a little nervous when people say consensus. Well, I mean, nervous, skeptical, wary. See, I don't blind faith uh, with blind faith believe people. But, you know, like, again, we've got examples recently of people talking about the consensus, the scientific consensus of this matter, of this matter. And then you found out, well, the way they got their consensus is all the people of dissenting views, they just kicked them out of their circle. So now they have a unanimous consensus. I'm like, now something's wrong with this picture. (laughs) I understand that's not the way it always is done. But, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, people in the scientific community, like, I don't know. People, I mean, maybe at one time they've earned themselves like a place on a pedestal. Um, cause these have been like very noble, um, you know, seekers of truth and things like that. And like did method- methodological science, you know, the proper way and, and limited their bias. But I mean, they need to earn their way back up there because there have been so many people, um, recently that that is not the case. And it's like, people still hold them in high regard. So, I mean, I, I think it's more proper to hold the scientific method in proper regard and high regard. Um, you know, cause it's the best we have for natural stuff, but we really need to keep the people who do this under like the, the strictest of microscopes. Um, so while there may not be an issue inherently with the scientific method or, or that, uh, you know, people are not perfect and people can, you know, have all kinds of bias and let that creep in for any amount of just idiocy or nefarious things. So, I mean, I guess that's your more your no speech for today. Um, maybe science is cool, but keep these scientists under a tight microscope.
3: You know that, that's really, it's really interesting, right? Like, does it, it's one of the things? Oh, sorry, Chris. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, it's like, does everybody? This is an interesting kind of like you know question, right? So, does everybody deserve a seat at the table, right? So, like, you know, we we don't take people who say the earth is flat seriously, right? Like, we just don't because it's ridiculous, right? So, you know, so I think when like when when Josh is talking about, you know, the consensus of, of stuff like that, you know, it's like you will, you know, like will you find dissenting opinions? Yes. You'll find dissenting opinions in the scientific community or maybe not the scientific uh, community, but you'll find, you know, dissenting opinions where people will say the earth is flat, right? Not everybody deserves a seat at the table in my humble opinion. Well, I would agree to that, but it's going to be subjective
0: and how do you how do you determine what is like Uh, uh, you know, what is a dissenting opinion that has potential validity that should have a seat at the table versus what is so insane that it should not. And, you know, therein, I mean, the group of people in the majority um, are probably going to be the ones that, you know, have the heaviest hand in deciding that. So, you know, if if they, uh, you know, if there's 20 people and they're talking about different, uh, you know, problems with our globe or something like that, um, they're almost certainly they're going to rule out all the flat earthers that want to see you at the table. But if there's someone with another um, unpopular theory that 20 of them don't agree with, well, they could keep that person out. They're like, no, no, the earth is totally round. It's a sphere. I get that. But you guys are missing a big piece of the puzzle. You need to consider this. Well, therein lies the danger, like our last you know, medical catastrophe, um, where they discounted them. To their detriment, because now we're finding out, like, maybe they should have had a seat at the table. Turns out they had some pretty good advice. Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that, Michael. Um, well, what's your answer to that? Because you wouldn't want flatter. Well, hang, on, see, oh, hang on one second. There's a lot of feedback when you unmute. So um, hang on one second. Um, so what, what would you propose? Because you don't want complete nuts at the table, but you need to allow enough of what you may think are nuts to show you things that you're
3: not aware of. Yes, I agree. And and I think that that's, I think that that's borne out by what we talked about. And that's the scientific method, right? Like, for like, for example, and, and the best, you know, <laughs> here's, here's your morning grenade, Nate, like, you know, like, like let's, let's look at something that is no longer under contention, under serious contention, right? Evolution. Um,
5: oh, come on. Pick a different
3: one. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> he said grenade. Yeah. Hang on, see uh, who's next. Right.
5: Go ahead and finish up, my Yeah. <laughs>
3: Right. So it's no longer under serious contention. So you might have, like, let's say you had um, 50,000 earth and life scientists, right? Let's just say 50,000 in the world, which is a real low number. Okay. And let's say you had 5,000 of those, about 10%. Okay. That said, no, you know what? Um, You know, we at at AIG and ICR and these other um, lunatic fringe places, um, you know, we hold up the Bible as, as the literal account, right? the scientific method has, has, has borne this out. Right. And so I, I think we use the the methodology that you suggested to allow that to, to happen. Now, when you're talking about things that aren't like sciences, things that like, you know, um, or at least hard sciences, some of the things that like, you know, Josh and some of, uh, you know, his, uh, his fellow scholars are, you know, working. That's a, that's a harder, that's a harder thing to, to talk about. And I'm certainly not, qualified to talk about, you know, what would be the, the measuring stick to use when it comes to science? It's it seems sim- simple, at least.
0: Well, and whenever we get to science and talk about, you know, whenever we talk about like a special dating, like, you know, you may use the scientific method, but I mean, if one tool has a problem, like, you know, if, if you have a scientific method, and your tools are very, very, very simple, rudimentary, and like very difficult to mess up. But then if they become so complex, um, you know, where you're talking about like, you know, different dating things, and I know people are like, you know, it's sure as gravity, whatever. But It's still more more, um, you know, more technical than like a hammer. So, I mean, whenever you have you're still applying the scientific method. But if the tools are more complicated and complex, there's more chance for one of those things to have a hiccup in it. And if they do, you can still be doing the scientific method properly. But if the tools you're using are wrong, I mean, it's like what we talk about every day. Like if one of our premises is wrong, this elaborate concoction of a scenario we're coming up with, it renders the whole thing moot. But as uh, CEO, you were trying to jump in. Jump in yeah, so uh, so
6: it seems to be very, very free positions. You can prove something, disprove something, or just not prove it. And so, Michael, in the, in the Flat Earthers case, it seems like you can disprove that so they can be dismissed. In the case of Exodus, this is what I wanted to ask Dr. Joshua. Do you feel like Exodus is disproven, or it's just that it has not been proven? What is, what is the consensus?
4: Yeah, I don't know that they use words like prove. In in history, at least in that technical sense, um, maybe in a colloquial sense, and maybe that's how it was meant in the discussion, uh, the other day or whenever that was. Um, it would be like a probability, likelihood, or something. Like yeah, that. I mean, I, that's normally. It's history, right? History is. I, I don't. I don't know that you get to a level of proof in that way, um, but I mean, I, I think if you go. And again, like I, that's why I recommend that book to anybody. It's recent. You know, I think it's like seven years old now, maybe eight years old. But um, but it is it, it is all the subject matter experts that deal with the Exodus coming together to talk about it from a wide range of um, uh, positions. And um, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think anybody's... Good certainly nobody's going to say that there's no historical background to it at all right or like there's no historical uh uh you know kernel or something that like that's been proven wrong even in the colloquial sense because i don't think anybody would say that um like is it possible that a during the, the decline of the late bronze age that a handful of um, slaves from Egypt during the collapse, you know, made their way up into the highlands of Canaan, and that became, like, a foundational myth. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I don't think anybody has a real problem with that, but um, yeah, sorry, that was way more than what you asked for. Sorry, CEO. <laughs> well, no, so, I mean,
6: I think that there are things hmm. that could, uh, that ha- have happened in history that we just cannot have, like, evidence for as well. I, I mean, there's just so much, like, you know, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, I know existed, but I have no evidence of it ever
5: then. I'm here. Uh, Chris, sure. what you're saying? Um, cool. um All of the medical doctors that are still pushing for, say, people losing their jobs for not getting the COVID vaccine, when it's shown that the COVID vaccine does not prevent spread, can we just, can we... Revoke all of their medical licenses because they are pushing non-science. Know that they're pushing non-science and that they're doing it for a political reason. Can we just can we remove all their medical licenses today? I mean,
0: people are shooting. I mean, you know, if you if it's an eye for an eye, um, you know, people those same people were pushing hardcore for doctors to lose their licenses who were not supporting vaccine mandates for jobs and many people did lose their licenses and many of those attorneys who are defending those doctors who lost their licenses now attorneys are pushing for those attorneys to be disbarred so i mean you know if all is fair and you want you know tit for tat then sure
5: okay
6: i just wanted to I, I think you can take a more nuanced position as well. There was a four to six month period where the vaccine made a ton of sense. And then when the variants came out, it became increasingly less effective and nobody wanted to admit it. And so I think that ended up being the case.
5: Well, but CEO, you have to understand there have now been emails that have been unearthed from the vaccine manufacturers that showed the clinical trials showing that it did not prevent the spread. And instead of being honest with the science, they purposefully lied for a political point because people are dumb in their estimation. And so if they put the real science out there, then nobody would get vaccinated. And so they couldn't have that, especially since their profits were on the line. So they lied about it. Should we frog march all of those C-suite level Um, people from Moderna and Pfizer off to prison? What should should our response be? We should, but
6: we're immune from it, right? They signed something legally that prevents them from being prosecuted. So that was part of the agreement. And I get it because they were doing risky, fast science. So it was smart for them to identify themselves. And the government went along with it because the alternative is no vaccine. So... I think it's very <laughs> imperfect, but you you were choosing between two bads. You weren't choosing between good and bad. Well, CEO, you definitely have the take
0: of the absolute most, like Michael's charitability plus a million. Like that response, um, while valid, that is the most glass half full. You have the utmost faith in the pure motives of these people. Um, some would call that wildly naive, but I mean, you know, it's still valid. So like, That is the take I would expect from someone that has the utmost belief that these people were doing everything out of the goodness of their heart for the right reasons and just things were unfortunate. Um, I I don't share that belief and I don't think a lot of people do, but um, that is... Thanks for
6: sharing. Well, I, I so what about hospital I, I, I don't, I administrators? I think you would argue that the majority of people that were involved in creating the vaccine were doing it for good reasons. If you want to say there were some bad executives, yeah, sure, okay. So but what like, about what about the hospital I think, I think executives? The
5: majority. What about the hospital executives that knew this? Um, That we, again, have evidence that they knew this from their own emails, and yet they pushed the vaccine mandate so hard in their hospitals that they fired people. Should those people go to prison? I think about a a thousand hospital administrators, should they go to prison?
6: I think in those cases, you have really good civil, you have civil remedies for that. So I'm wondering what is being approached there, but it seems like you could have really good civil
5: remedy there. Yeah, I'm just saying, though, I mean, like, we're talking about removing people from the scientific. That science is unwilling to do this. In fact, they're going to double down and give people awards for being dishonest. This is what Nate is getting at, is that we have a serious problem in the academy and in the sciences.
2: Yeah, but it's um it's the if what you're saying is correct, then it's the people, not necessarily the the science itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, that's what science. we're saying. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean like the scientific method, sure, that's fine, that's the best we've got. It's I mean I, I've said it like five times, right? It's the people doing the science. It's the people employing the scientific method. Like those people need to be kept on a very, very short leash. Because they have demonstrable, like people want empirical evidence. There you go. We have empirical evidence of people who do the science um, being incredibly evil and vile and nefarious um, for political gain, for power, for money, whatever. Like, I mean, just look. Like, how many people? Like, there's got to be a, like an actual list somewhere. But it's like, if you get all the people like who are are facing backlash and like government employees and like pharmaceutical executives like switching places and like getting bumps. Like who who used to be like um, a government advisor is now like on a Moderna board, Um, and whoever was like you know in a Moderna position of power now they're a government advisor. Like you just see so much of this like incestuous like nepotism. Like yeah, just.
6: Well, well, let's. There's no disputing it it, uh, at the most common sense level, right? So there right now are all sorts of treatments for cancer that are amazing, but they're going through the normal kind of 10-year process, right? And, you know, typically we're on board with that, right? But what if tomorrow somehow cancer became transmittable (laughs) to other people? All of a sudden, those 10-year waits, there would be such a demand to get something out right away, and that would involve rushing our normal processes. So you have public sentiment and science going with each other you can't treat them in isolation the two of them reflect what ends up happening
0: well let's go a little more conspiratorial for a moment <laughs> so you have taken the side of you know these people are amazing humanitarians and there is just like some unfortunate stuff this this plague hit us all of a sudden um and golly gee we did the best we can Let's take the route where some people w- would go the, I mean, you wouldn't extreme one way, let's go extreme the other way, where some people say, you know, some people, not all, but, you know, the people with power, the people with pool, um, you know, kind of either we're working on this for a later date, and, you know, something got out of a lab, or more nefarious, it was intentionally released to, I don't know, test the public, gauge the response, see how much government control pe- uh, they can exercise, and people will allow Uh, how many freedoms people sacrifice for, you know, this protection. So if this was some sort of, you know, test, um, then that's like the opposite side of what you're saying. You're seeing these people as the most good and just bad things happen. Well, if we look at them at like, you know, pretty darn evil, and and this is all to set things up for further down the road, like for a five, 10 plus year plan. um, Well then, no, (laughs) they would have known that. And they're very, very evil people. So, you know, who knows what we'll ever find out to be act- actually true. I seriously doubt it's the good humanitarian part. Um,
6: but, yeah. <laughs> well, I I mean, so the, the best evidence that you can point to in terms of, quote, unquote, conspiracy theory, and it's not really a conspiracy theory, is that maybe China released this intentionally, right? For some of the reasons you said. But there's zero evidence. You have to be really friends to say. The U.S. government decided to do this because it didn't benefit the U.S. Oh, you got a call.
7: Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, it, it, who, it didn't benefit the
6: U.S. government in any way. I was going to say well, the, uh, the,
3: the, the deep state muted CEO. <laughs> yeah, he'd be afraid. Well, I mean, I mean,
0: how do we really know that? Right. I mean, it may not seem like it benefited us, but I mean, uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how far in this rabbit hole to go, but just since you're, like, taking the ultimate good approach, I mean, I I guess let's look at the other side. But, I mean, you know, did it benefit them how? Um, So as a more authoritarian um, takeover for the government, oh, it benefited them greatly. Like, they were able to quash lots of freedoms they otherwise would not have been able to get away with just because they were able to declare states emergency, uh, states of emergency and all this other stuff. So if you want to, you know, the best benefit it would have had is seeing just how compliant people were and how little pushback they gave. So if you're a government who has very, very, like some of the most ultimate freedoms for mankind on this planet, and you don't like that and you want to change that, then this was a very, very successful experiment in showing just how, um, you know, maybe unfree we really are or can become. Um, So, you know, if you want to go super creepy, um, then it benefited them greatly because it turns out we are really a bunch of sheep. Yeah, you never let a
1: good you never let a good crisis go to waste.
6: <clears throat> oh, now that's a different argument. Who said that?
0: It's bridge, oh,
6: so that, yeah. so that that is that is a more sophisticated argument. I like that. Because basically if you're saying that hey this happened, now that this is out here how can we learn more about people's like? Of course, there were people who fought that. Of course, one hundred percent. So, I I just question it when you say it was like designed from that be- the beginning that way. But when you have crisis, are there people who will take step in and take advantage of it? One thousand percent.
1: Right. Like like. Well, you can you can tie it to the uh, the gain function, uh, gain of function research that Fauci and his people's funded. So, I mean, why not fund the uh, the cure to your problems?
0: Are, are we done? Do, does does no one have an appetite for this? <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesus is Lord. Christ is King.
3: Michael, welcome back. Hey, hey. Um, All right. how, did, how did that, uh, how did the um, discussion conclude about, uh, <clears throat> about the uh, scientific consensus?
5: I think the conclusion is that it's impossible for someone with an atheist worldview to do proper
3: science. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. So you wanted a grenade. <laughs> I think that was the
5: final conclusion, Michael, is that anyone with an atheist worldview is... Incapable of doing proper science.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's funny that uh, that kind of reeks of the whole, um, um, you know, like, the the big reason why I don't engage with uh, presuppositionists, right? Um, is that you know it's like you you know, you started with your conclusion, right? So there's no sense in having a discussion about it. Um,
5: yeah, they should yeah. put me in charge of the government so I can make that mandate all the
3: way across. This is why I'm. I'm glad. Hey, my you're not, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Would you classify yourself as a materialist? All there is is the material. Um, so I don't. I don't spend a ton of time thinking about philosophy. Uh, the little bit that I have, I have. I know just about enough philosophy to get myself into trouble. Uh, the little bit of time I do spend looking mm-hmm. at it. Um, if I if I was kind of shoehorned into like, you know, somebody puts a gun in my head and says, you know, you know, what metaphysic kind of do you, you know, do you uh, adhere to, uh, I would say it's probably naturalism. So, yeah, I think at, at the root, at the breaking it down to the lowest common denominator, it's all natural stuff.
1: So um, I, I guess w- would you consider the like the abstract world, like logic and things like that to be part of the natural world?
3: Well, yeah, because if you look at, and this, we're getting into a little bit that I do know, right, if you look at the SEP, uh, the SEP's um, uh, definition of logic, uh, logic is identified as a formal language invented by people. So, uh, yeah, it's still, I would say that the logic, which is just descriptive, right, um, is uh, is still made up of the natural.
0: I love so, philosophy uh, so much. Can we please? Talk uh, about I love. It. <laughs> sure, I uh, again, got it. you.
8: Okay. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, because. Go ahead, Vangel. Yeah, because you have certain preconditions of intelligibility, things that you have to assume that is true before you can even start working out the other facts, you know. But these things seem to exist or before it's like we're, we're born into this world where there is a system that we're following that exists in the abstract. But it's, I, I haven't found an argument that's compelling to say that logic that, uh, is, which exists objectively from us is part of the material world. Like we all using the same measurement or system of measurement that exists beyond us I can understand you can have your own logic, but it's like well, when we look at life, we're all you know using certain mathematical equations that we just believe will work every single time that we apply them. I mean, it can't just be isolated to one individual, you know, because all of us are looking at the same particular thing. So if there's some kind of objective realm, what is that? You know, and it it doesn't seem to be part of the, you know, I understand we can perceive it, yeah, but, you know, us being creatures, we we can perceive it, but it just exists outside. So, like, what is that? I mean, could that be part of the supernatural to supersede our natural realm? I'm, I'm not sure if you think about this stuff, but...
3: I think about it a little bit. Uh, you said a lot there. So, um, I guess going in reverse order, could it be the supernatural? Yes, it could be the supernatural. Uh, unfortunately we have no way of testing that we like, we, we have no way of identifying or testing supernatural causation at all, period, full stop. Um, when people say they can, they're just making it up. Um, and so, you know, but you also said a few interesting things there. And before I kind of go into it a little bit more before Nate shoots himself in the face, um, I I need to know the, the one definition I kind of need to know is when you say the word objective, how are you defining that?
1: something that exists either if we believe it or not
3: like you know so much. that's just okay right okay so so what you're calling objective i would just call reality right because you know like okay. there there could be so so whether or not like there could be a planet um in another galaxy, galaxy. right exactly exactly right like collab could exist objectively right you know outside you know like whether i exist or not um and and that is just a, that is just an objective and w- when i say objective i mean mind and stance independent so colob exists whether or not i know it believe it or not so when you say so that's why i just want to kind of get a definition by what you meant by uh, objective but when you said you know it's like there there are things and you, you went back again to laws of logic right um and so do you think that because it seems to be, um it seems to be the majority consensus that uh, you know logic is um a, a language invented by people. Um, and so it, it but it would stand like part of what you said, I think I agree with, right? because so even if no humans existed, a rock would still be a rock, right? Like the law of identity would still hold. so um but, but the but the laws themselves are descriptive. Right. They describe the, the world we see around us. Right. So like like gr- uh, gravitational theory describes the phenomena of gravity that we experience. Right. And it, it doesn't matter how we like how we choose to to write those theories out. It doesn't change the the, the reality that we experience as being you know, gravitational theory. Right. The germ theory of disease is what it is, regardless of our interacting with it or anything else like that so um and then you said something really interesting that you know could it exist without you know like kind of anything at all and i'm like yeah it can including without your god like it it still exists regardless
1: um just a quick response to that um sure i I would say that there there is there's two 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 separate things we're looking at two separate categories that I see that seem to be conflated like the material universe and the conceptual realm of things. So when I when I think of logic and the, the fact that we're able to perceive logic, you know, it seems to be a product of a mind because it's orderly, you know, or, or else how would we define what order is unless it's, it's, it's it, it, it would seem like you see these patterns and. You know when, when you when you witness these patterns you already would assume that patterns are a product of of a mind, like I guess for example that you probably heard about a thousand times from you know the you know whatever it is like you know if you walk into a beach you know or matter of fact you walk into a museum and you see all these work of arts, you' gonna be like, man look at this big explosion you know you are you automatically assume there's an intellect and there's a mind associated with that. I mean, it's like, it's by default. It's like one of those things that you cannot not believe, or you can, well, did I say two double negatives? Whatever. <laughs> you automatically assume, because you see these patterns, that it is a product of a mind. And so now when we look at logic in the orderly fashion and so on and so forth, it, it doesn't, I don't know how not to see that as, a product of a mind, a rational being, versus just randomness. You know, that'd be kind of like the opposite of rationality. It's like are you are you following kind of where I'm going with it? I'm, yeah, I'm no, just yeah, trying to I, I understand.
3: No, I, I do understand what you're saying. And you said a few interesting things there. So the first thing, you know, about like seeing design, right? That so that's known as the watchmaker argument. Um, and then, you know, and then, and and I'm sorry, because I'm not just trying to toss out, oh, you know, that's just fallacious thinking because, you know, I think I, I, I understand, I understand you're coming in from a good faith position and you're just trying to have a, you know, conversation. So I get that. Right. But, you know, kind of mixed in with the watchmaker argument is, you know, is a argument for like, you know, I can't understand how, well, I don't understand how they do double lung transplants, but doctors are still able to do it. Regardless of my inability to understand the process involved in that, right, that doesn't mean that the process isn't valid or isn't doable, right? Um, and so, the so what, what what's funny is that you say, well, you know, there, there has to be a mind, there has to be a design, you know, b- behind this. Well, that it just to me reeks of a, a really a really bad design, right? So, like, just just look at the human body, for example, right? Um, our, like the one hole that we eat out of also happens to be the one hole we breathe out of, right? You know, the the nose and mouth still, you know, connected by the esophagus and the trachea and stuff like that, right? Um, you know, and I think it's something like there was a statistic where something like 3,500 kids a year in the United States alone choke on, choke to death on by eating, from eating hot dogs, right? Because the diameter of a hot dog is, is just about the same size as the, as the trachea. For, for young children, um, that's a really poor you know, design, right? You know, we have, like, there's, there's just, there's so much about our body in, in and of itself, right? Um, and again, speaking outside of something that you would think is, is real, it is, you know, it's, it's theorized by biologists and earth, earth life scientists that more than, more than 99% of every species that has ever lived on this planet is now extinct. Some of that is our fault, deforestation, things like that. But a lot of that is, you know, is when you know species you know, were selected against and you know, became extinct, so on and so forth. So it, it it doesn't seem to me that 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 design is present. And I'm not saying because I don't understand. I'm saying by looking at what we have, the ability to look at, if it is design you could probably get a team of engineers that could design something better
0: well but what's the purpose of that design because if the purpose is to just perpetually keep going forward then yeah god did a bad job but there's no reason to think that there's completely the opposite reason to think that like we were never
3: we were never designed to die (laughs) huh we were never designed to die
0: no, specifically, like everything you read in the Bible, it's appointed to man once to die. We just talked about that, like Ecclesiastes, like, you know, there's a time for everything, for death, for war, for life. Like, so, I mean, yeah, like it, Hebrews 9.27, like it's appointed to man once to die, then the judgment. So, yeah, we were never designed in, in these bodies, us, animals, everything, to just live forever. Otherwise, we would have, like, destroyed ourselves because it would have been, you know, there would have been w- way too much stuff on the planet. Like you said, 99% of everything to ever lived has died um, if that were true. Um, it would still be, tr- even if there was a better design, those stats would still be true because there would be so much overcrowding that you would end up with the same statistics, even if everyone was designed amazing because there wouldn't be room for everyone. Um, anyway, but from from the Christian perspective, yeah, we're, I mean, the life is temporal. So, like, the thing that keeps existing is the eternity we keep talking about, um, you know, these spiritual, resurrected, glorified bodies. Um, but I, I do want to say, because there's other people who've been patiently waiting. But yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I've been watching the time. Oh, uh, 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 that's okay. But Vangel, as a Christian brother, and Michael, as someone who espouses themselves a good moral atheist without the belief in a god or gods, um, holding you to that, please let this conversation go. <laughs> oh, that. No, nah, it was just. I'm dying. It, it it wasn't it wasn't
1: even the jab at um you know at Mike because I you know I, I like to understand it, I, like I
3: never took it that way yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so yeah because I, I it wasn't you know it wasn't even meant to cause any type of division or anything like that because I I oh, no, no. To, I,
0: I was like half serious half joking because I hate these conversations they just make me die oh. inside um which I have a feeling Tyler came up just to join this conversation so let me, let me get through the other people who've been waiting and uh, if that's where you guys want to go then I'll just go make myself some food or something and you guys can have at it but um <laughs> Constantine <laughs> what's up.
8: Hi, hey guys. Yeah, you invited me up. I, I don't have anything to say, so I'll pass for now. Oh, okay.
0: Thanks, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. Uh, Corletta, James, what's up?
9: Hey, how's it going? Just enjoying the chat. It's awesome.
0: Are you? Okay, I'm the odd one out. All right. Philosophize away. Do we exist? Hell yeah.
1: So, Nate, Nate there was something yes. you said um, uh, that, that I, I agreed because you, you – for 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 you to say that something is a better design, you would have to assume the intent of the design in the first place. So if 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 you think the intent was to to do this, and it doesn't meet that, then obviously it's a bad design. But if that's not what the original creator's intent was in the in the beginning for the specific design, you can't really draw those conclusions unless you understand the intent. So I'm I'm assuming that you're assuming this is what the intent of the Christian God per se was supposed to do, and he just didn't do it right. Is, is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, that was to Michael. I mean, it sounds like he was saying that right until recently. Michael, with, with all the Bible verses that would speak to the otherwise, like I, I think—correct um, me if I'm wrong, Michael—but wasn't your wasn't your assumption for the you know the watchmaker argument or whatever we're talking about be that if God designed us, he did a bad job because a team of MIT people could do a better job. Therefore, if God exists, if God designed us, he's bad at his job. But then, you know, the intent of the design. Was to be fleeting and temporal, anyway.
3: Oh no, um, sorry. Temporal. Yeah, yes, yeah. So that, like, the, yeah, those are those are two separate arguments. like, the watchmaker is, you know, where Vanya was talking about how he sees design and everything, right? Yeah, so, you know, so that's you know, yeah, so that's you know, it's like a you know, a, a beach of watches next to an ocean of watches on a planet of watches, right? Right. You know, every, everything being designed, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and, and it's just that that to me, um, that to me seems fairly nonsensical. Right. Just, just from the, just from the excess, like from the pure excess of it all. Right. Um, like I've heard, uh, and, and then he, uh, he also said something interesting about, you know, us, you know, living in a place, you know, and, and existing in a place that, you know, kind of just right for us. Right. Um, Lawrence Krauss said something interesting about this in a, a talk, a bunch of years ago, he said, he said, it's not surprising that we find ourselves existing somewhere where we could exist, what would really be something is if we found ourselves existing in a place that that wouldn't support our life, right? So, so it like, it, and it would be, I think, it would be a knockdown, dragout, um, or no, no, I think it would be a knockout argument for a theistic perspective. If we, like, if, if we were able to breathe, um, just it, just take a deep uh, in, uh, you know, inhale on the surface of Venus, that would really be something because we can't do that. But to find ourselves living on a place where that, that supports the the you know that's you know uh, come about in a way that supports life doesn't seem that extraordinary.
0: Well, but that would shift things because if you could if you could exist on Venus where you would not be able to exist, but you exist, well you exist. So now you can exist on Venus, and you can say, okay, well now under the pressure of you know ten billion suns, okay, well if you can do that, or you could or you shouldn't be able to do that. Well, okay, now you exist under the pressure of 10 billion suns, so now you can exist under the pressure. So, like, you can keep moving that. So, like, if you keep following that a few integrations down the road, now people are, you know, squeezed into diamonds and breathing sulfuric acid, um, thinking if there was really a creator that exi- designed us somewhere to exist where we couldn't exist. <laughs> so, I mean, you could just like keep getting more and more absurd, right? So, as long as you can exist there, well, you can exist there. So, I mean, what if? You know this. Um, you know the carbon. I'm I mean, what like the the atmosphere is like <clears throat> one. Per, I I I forget the stats, but I mean it's increasingly getting more and more hostile to life, like harder and harder to exist because we're losing atmosphere and things like that. Um, so I mean, yet yeah, here we are. Here we are, still existing.
3: Yeah, and, and you know that's an interesting point. Yeah, and, and you you kind of actually you kind of actually. Um, illustrated the point well, you know, like existing somewhere where we can. And, and, but that's really interesting, right? So um, if, you know, quote unquote, you know, designed to live here. So, you know, if we were fast forward, right? And the reason things are changing is anthropogenic climate change. Um, you know, so if we fast forward, you know, a thousand years, if somehow we're still here, um, you know, and if we, if, if you know, like it's it's possible, I suppose, that our body would adapt to that. But adaptation, at least in, in, for, from my perspective, would fly in the face of um, of a creation, right? Adaptation would support, um, you know, would support the evolutionary process. No.
0: Well, I mean, depend. Well, I mean, depending on what level. I mean, you know, people like adapt. Like, we get bigger hearts if we get on the mountains. We get small, uh, you know, smaller, um, you know, smaller lungs or whatever if we go down from sea level. Uh, so I mean, we we adapt. I mean, it takes like three months, and your heart will, you know adapt to living in a mountainous climate. Um, we're not saying that's a side against God. I mean, if we grew tails and wings and, you know, start traveling through the galaxy, um, you may have something there. Uh, but Tyler, uh, jump in here too if you guys want.
10: Yeah. Um, I guess I, I kind of like missed the overarching point of the conversation. So y'all were talking about Venus and the harshness of life on this planet. Are we just talking about like intelligent design? Okay. Uh, obviously I believe in intelligent design. Or just the know really just the notion of telos But uh like making a long drawn out argument, I'm not sure that I could like do that. Now I can give my inputs and stuff. Um
0: have we solved something here today?
9: I don't think so. Uh just just because something appears to be designed does not entail that it actually is designed. So when uh, Vanyal brought up uh we walk into a museum, we don't go, "Oh wow, look at this explosion." That that kind of analogy is always like, "Oh, why even bring that up?" It is definitely obvious that a painting requires a painter, right? So when you go in the when you walk in the forest, can you delineate a a, a patch of trees that grew naturally, to compare to a patch of trees that someone uh, arranged in a manner to use the land as most most uh, uh, appropriate way, economic way to have more trees growing on it. I would think you can, right? So that those are two different, those are two natural uh, 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 growing uh, organisms. That one was organized by a human being with intelligence and one that just grew naturally in the forest randomly so that i I don't get that
10: well at least from the tradition i'm a part of like intelligent design or or really teleology right the notion of telos has its origins in what we call final causality now intelligent design arguments uh Part of the reason why I think atheists miss most of what the argument is, is because the is kind of neglect to talk about telos, our uh, final causality. So let's just take this notion, right? Uh, suppose we have a match and we have the matchbox. If you strike the match, you expect the match to produce a flame, right? Presuming that nothing is hindering the cause. That is a real question, by the way, not a rhetorical one.
9: Um, yeah, of course. I don't. Know, I don't know what your point is.
10: Okay. So, presuming that the match is not dampened or something like that, it has a particular effect that it will produce, and it will produce it every time, assuming the cause is unharmed. This is the notion of telos. So the efficient cause of the flame is the match and the box, or striking the match, more specifically. And the final cause is producing a flame. So from the teleological side of things, it's not just that everything is designed, or we must infer design, but that every agent acts for an end. Any efficient cause acts towards a particular end. And that's why you don't, like... uh, you don't go to your microwave and press the microwave button with nothing in it and expect food to pop out. Um, Causes have a certain end or effect that they attain, and those are not able to be attained without those causes. So broadening that out some more, there are certain things in the universe or complexity in the universe. And for there to be complexity and unity in the universe There must be a cause of, like, unity of being in the universe or something like that, right? Uh, At least it's like a general, like, notion. So if there is complexity and unity, there has to be a cause for said unity because things that are in themselves different cannot be united into one thing. So those generally some of the things that you can, like, talk about from the teleological argument just the ordering of uh, things that are diverse into something united and how to be disposed towards like a united end. You need a unifier or a unifying cause. But, Why? Why do you
9: inject there must be something involved in things that are united?
10: Well, things that are in themselves different uh, are not going to be united in and of themselves. For example... Uh, one example is just the human body. Uh, all the different parts of like the human body, in and of themselves, are different, but they're united into like a composite, right? And what's the reason for the unification? Well, you're gonna say like DNA or uh, something fundamental in the cells themselves that explain the unity. Um, I would point to form, but the point is things that are in themselves different are not going to come together to form something.
9: Um, That doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because do you understand biology? Um, I've got a very, you know, um, uh, low level education of the understanding of it. Right. So cells form uh, systems, right. Organs and these organs all work together. So I, I, I don't know what you're getting at that. What mm-hmm. what is your analogy of the human body as its unity?
10: I mean, I, I understand. The it point is, we really, we're going to say that, that there's some we're going to say that there's some explanation for the unity of the human body. Okay, right? what is
9: that explanation?
10: I would say the explanation is the form of humanity. A like that is in our is in our soul. I think of our soul as like a unifying principle for the body. Uh, what you does may the soul reject. have to do? What does the
9: soul have to do with the anatomy of a human body?
10: it gives the it gives the matter form and shape
9: really how so mm-hmm. how so well first of all define soul now
10: define so soul understand.
9: yeah I'm, i just so I understand what you're talking about because i have i have no recollection of anatomy the animating i have no somebody. recollection i have no recollection of any anatomy and physiology class i took while i was in college that mentioned the soul as a requirement for anatomy and physiology of the human body to function properly so please enlighten me
10: the object of physiology and anatomy is not um immaterial things. The object of that study is material things. So I don't know why right. you would expect... I don't know why you would expect to study an immaterial thing in an empirical science. That just doesn't make sense to me. So let's well, but, I, that's, why that's why I'm
9: baffled, man. You brought up the soul as an integral part of the human body. It required for it to take form. So please help me out to understand that. I don't understand it.
10: Yeah. So... First, you made the claim that you don't remember, like thinking about that in the classes. Though that was supposed to be like a wait, what claim? Gacha, did I, I guess
9: what claim did I make?
10: You don't recall learning about the soul in your like physiology yeah, and that's, anatomy classes. That,
9: yes, a statement, man. You made the claim of the soul being an integral part of the human body taking form. Please back that up. That's all I'm asking. You.
10: That's not what I said.
9: Holy cow! Yes,
3: it is, bro.
10: I said that the soul is the form of the human body.
9: Okay, so what does that mean
3: Daniel yeah, uh, uh, oh sorry uh, 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 Ian, is, is it fair to say that because I've, I've heard this before, because um, it, uh, it, it sounds like the you know kind of the you know where you get unity amongst the diversity. I've heard it coined that way as well. Um, and it seemed to me that you, that you did say that that the soul. Is what gives unity to the diversity of the body. It seems like that's what you said.
10: Yeah, it's more so. The soul is like a ordering principle of the animating principle of the body. Yeah, So, and, form, yeah, and so what
3: Corlett is asking for is a demonstration of that.
10: But if it's metafi- like, metaphysical if in
3: nature, how?
10: Yeah, like, you can't give like a, if you want like an empirical like breakdown of like form and matter, then. I would just say I couldn't give you an empirical demonstration of that.
8: So, if the body is not animated, let's say you're in a vegetative state, you're just lying around, you don't have any consciousness. Do you do you have a soul? Is a soul still like uh, somehow? Are you just referring style? to someone in a coma? Yeah, someone in a deep coma. You have no consciousness. You know, you're just lying there. I don't
10: agree with the notion that a person in a coma doesn't have consciousness.
8: So
10: what so, what is the soul doing at that at, at, at that point? Uh, there's and usually with any like with any like physiological uh, disorder or disease or anything like that. Usually, it has something to do with the matter rather than the form. So, as in, has something to do with the body over the soul. So. The way we understand things, or I will understand things. I'm not going to speak for everybody in here. But the way I understand things is that comas and diseases and stuff have to do with your matter not being disposed to receive your soul. So, And that's what I think death is, is when you completely sever the tie between uh, matter and form. You're making the body ill-disposed to receive your form. So that's all I understand. Uh, It to be with like a person in a coma. There's some defect in the matter that's uh, hindering the cause, aka the form, from animating it.
3: And and as okay, and because this is all metaphysical, right, supernatural, um, and you don't have the capacity to show and make an empirical demonstration. Is this a position that you accept on faith? And I don't mean that as a knock at all. But I'm just wondering if that's if if that's why you accept it,
10: like as a belief. Yes. Well, every anything uh, anything that you know is a belief. So well, yeah, I would yeah, say yeah.
3: I... knowledge is a subset of beliefs. But I'm asking you if your if your belief on this is based because you, because you you said it can't be based on empirical knowledge because it's not identifiable, it's not demonstrable. So, is it a belief that you hold based on faith?
10: Well, I don't know what you mean by, like, faith. I just take the, faith. the substance
3: of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen.
10: Do you mean, like, an unjustified belief?
3: No, I mean the biblical definition I just gave you.
10: Yeah, if you just mean, if you mean by that I have a belief that is justified and true, then Yes.
3: Okay, and is okay. So, what is your justification for that? If, so, it's, if it's not empirical or demonstrable, what's your justification for it?
10: I would argue for the like identity over time and persistence would necessitate some type of form unifying the thing in, in consideration, and as well as what we know from material composition is that material composition can't really explain the identity of a thing very well either. So I would just give like uh, reductios that seem to demonstrate either the absurdity of another position or just say that, um, yeah, not not, that. I got one I want to try.
0: I have interfaced with God and he has revealed
3: it. So that's my (laughs) answer. (laughs) Oh hey, I I speak to lots, and it, it's funny, Nate. But I've I've spoken to lots of people who who adhere to a, a revelatory epistemology, and when they do that, I just kind of say, "Okay, man." Like I, I like I don't know what because like it was Hume that said you know revelation is necessarily first person to everyone else it's hearsay, right? There is there it is it is not possible for anyone to relay in a in a real tangible way their relevatory experience to another person
0: and then the and, only and thing it, we'd have is well, go ahead Michael.
3: yeah no because and if it comes down and that's why it's a, and it's funny because like ian and like nate and i have talked about this a lot if it comes to, if it if when it comes down to your lowest common denominator is faith I don't see that. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat you up on something like that. You know, like Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." Like, it's in your. And I don't mean this, you know, disrespectfully, but it's in your rule book. You have to have faith. Well, so and, and if, then if if that's how you employ it, I'm cool with that. I really am.
0: Well, it's in the. You know, then there's like what type of faith is it? Because I read a book and it says you must have faith. So well, I don't know why there's a soul or spirit. I guess I just have to believe it. Um, Verses you know, it has been revelatory, you know, it's been revealed by God, like this spiritual stuff has been like, it sounds all like sci-fi and techie, like no one else knows spiritual terms, maybe I'll just use that, like it's like been downloaded, like we've, we've got it, like, you know, we've had these spiritual experiences, and then it's not just like I'm the only person in the world to do this, it's like, well, then we, we just have, you know, antidotes, like a couple billion antidotes, who are also Christians, who are like, oh, that happened to you, that happened to me too, Oh, what happened? And you just compare notes and find out, you know, it's very similar. So, you know, th- this very similar type experience, why people believe in spirits and stuff. And it's not just because a book told them to. I mean, you know, a book told them to, I guess. I mean, a book says without about faith. But then you've got other religions. You've got all this other stuff. So all you have is, first of all, people who will agree to a spiritual world, which is most of the planet. It's most of the people that have ever lived. And then they'll just have differing views of that, different gods, different theologies, different different views. Which that narrows it down a lot. Then there's only a handful of religions like that, uh, you know, with several, a couple billion or hundred million adherents of each, and then you just compare notes. So by the time it comes down to it, it's like you know, one of the main world religions, Christianity. Why we believe in the spirit, a spiritual world, the spiritual realm, surprisingly, isn't just because a book tells us to. It's because we have all these subjective, yet comparable experiences. And I'm like, hey, this is why I believe in a god. And they're like, oh. Me too. That very similar thing happened to me. Or oh, what about this? Or what do you think about the soul? Why do you think that? Oh, I believe it's been revealed, and I believe I just know this. I have the spiritual like awakening. It's like a new sense. I just can't shake it. I just know this. I'm like, huh, me too. So, anyways, it's not just like we're alone in the wilderness, and like you know, we're the only one that's like, hey, this is real. It's totally happened to me. I can't prove it to you. Um, so I mean, you know, the worst we could say is it's anecdotal, but I mean, we've got a
3: couple billion antidotes. Yeah, and that's really. But just interesting. just to. And that's and that sorry. Just I just want to concentrate on this. I'm I'm not that smart, and so the the thought will leave my head if I don't say it now. Uh, you know, like and I think that's really interesting. And it's a it's an interesting piece to look at, right? That there's this there's this thing that many people have have shared. That's a, that's an interesting thing to look at. Uh, and I've said this before. And again, I don't mean it to be you know uncharitable, but the plural of anecdote isn't evidence.
0: Sure, that's all I. And I would agree. I just think, you know, a couple billion people, we could still be wrong, but, you know, hey, give us a listen. And you have. So I don't mean you, Michael, but, I mean, everyone.
8: I mean, I think the problem with Revelation is, I mean, you, you can have spiritual experience, some kind of intuitive sense of something. But really, you—I mean—it's not like God is coming down and telling you there is a soul and it has these properties. It's the you know animating form of your body. You know, God is not giving you definitions. So you have to read them somewhere and you learn about it, right? So you're you're opening the Bible, you're reading them, and any topic you take, like the soul or any anything you want, the, the attributes of God. There's conflicting descriptions in the Bible. So there's no way to like come away from the you know from the Bible with a single definition of anything because you read you know one passage it will say one thing. You'll read another passage
5: it will say another it's thing. So categorically it, false. How is it false? Point out to me a complete discrepancy where they are going against one another.
8: I mean, like, the concept of the soul in the Bible clearly develops over time. I mean, it's it's very oh. different. I mean, the Jews didn't really have, you know, a concept of the soul the way we understand it. They they understood it as just breath. You know, it's just, you know, it's not like understood something, something immaterial part of your life. body that leaves your body when you die. I mean, that's not how they viewed things. I mean, that, that came from, you know, apocalyptic you, thinking. You're you know, going to have to
5: point out the actual scripture that has... Direct um, conflicts, and you're not going to be able to do it.
8: I mean, if we take I mean, a, it's a lovely like,
5: You give me a couple of minutes,
8: I'll I'll, I'll find I'll find the you know verses for you conflict yeah, that conflict on that
0: All right, He's waiting right over there. Um, but I would just say you know while you're looking up, you don't need to reply since you're finding what Chris uh, asked for. Um, but I mean, when you from your perspective start talking about, you know, how there there's no, um, you know, clear definition of the soul and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking to an audience of of you at that point, because, you know, I just went through, like, let's talk to the theist, how they actually believe it. So if you've got a couple billion Christians who were like, we don't know what Constantine's talking about. We're all on the same page. Yeah, we get it. Uh, this is the soul. This is how we understand it. Um, while you you are, you know, wherever you are. Saying, no, no, you can't understand it because it's so different. There's so many discrepancies. Meanwhile, all the Christians that agree are like, yeah, there's no discrepancies. We all are on the same page. It's one of those type things. Welcome, Steph. Good morning. Are you prepared to have your face and brain melt with, with the love of Christ? I, I well, know.
5: Steph is, Steph is uh, working on her... Um, Mithra conversion, but I think that the, <laughs> the carry like baptism in blood is kind of becoming a sticking point for her. I just want to find out where she is at with her faith journey. Uh,
0: Saint, what's up? You've been here a little while. Anything on your mind? Just wanted to tell you how amazing you are, Nate. Uh, just uh, I don't, I don't know what else to say. What else to make you sound like?
3: Oh, the projection. I just had
7: a question for Michael. Yeah. Uh, so, like, do you think, so, like, the reason why I believe is after seeking God a few months, um, I was reading Proverbs, and out of the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden, it's hard to explain, but everything in me knew all my problems in life were a result of not obeying the God of the Bible. And I was incarcerated at the time, so I had tons of time. So I was writing all these things down and taking them to a, a chaplain or a pastor. And he showed me in the Bible how every single one of those things is wrong. And then even still to this day, um, it's true that all the problems. Now to see obedience to Christ is the answer to all, all our world's problems so if you if that happened to you and then throughout throughout the last ten years um there's been many other things but would you would you believe if that happened to you
3: it's interesting right i I don't know I've heard it argued like this I don't know what it would take to convince me, but if the God of the Bible exists, then he knows precisely what it would take to convince me so either He doesn't want me to be convinced, or he's not ready for me to be convinced yet. I've heard it argued like that. I don't necessarily share that stance, but I I wanted to share that just because I've heard it, you know, and I thought it related to something you said. Um, So based on your account of what you just gave me, I think you have – I think you have a reason to believe what you believe. I don't share that belief, but if – you know, if you know, if you, unless you're lying to me, and I don't think that you are, I don't think you have any reason to. Um, you know, it, it's funny that you bring up Proverbs because Nate, Roy, and I, what, Roy, uh, Nate, like six, eight months ago, did a little study where we went through all of uh, pro uh, one of the chapters in Proverbs talking about something. I can't remember what, what chapter it was. Do you remember Nate? Top of your head?
0: Uh, are you talking about the one where we ask you to go through it and come up with all
3: the proverbs that you thought you would live your life by or agree with? Yes, exactly. Yeah, even, yeah, even yeah, though- yeah. 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 So I, anyway, I th- I, th- I, th- I find it uh, just kind of uh, interesting that you shared it because cause Nate, Roy, and I months back uh, did a little experiment. And I think we came up with, I think there were 25 verses in the chapter. And I think there were seven. I, I want to say about 20% of them were proverbs that I thought were decent and seemed, you know, to, to align with what I thought was a, you know, a decent society. Um, I think whatever, you know, if that convinced you, I, I, great. Um, but I can't tell you whether or not, like, I guess the most honest I could be with, be with you is, if something like that happened to me, it might convince me. Cause it, it seemed to have convinced you. So it might convince me it's possible. I suppose. Yeah. Can I ask St. real fast, St. Um, yeah. What, uh, you gave a little bit since,
0: you know, my thing is, well, Hey, do what the Bible says, you know, pray, see what, what like state were you in? Like, were you just like, um, maybe, maybe you said it because you go into more detail, like what state you were in whenever you, uh, right before the this stuff sort of happened to you, were you like, um, were you always like sort of believed in a God or wasn't sure it was Jesus or were you like an agnostic or atheist or what, what was your um, kind of, you get what I'm saying? Like, what was your position where you're like, um, I don't believe in the God and you know, I hate the idea of religion. And uh, you know, God, if you, if you are real, you're going to have to like come down from heaven and show yourself to me or you're like, ah, my life is a shambles. Everything is a mess. Ah, save me. God save me. Like what, what kind of state were you in uh when
7: this happened? Uh, real like, quick, I got, I got confirmed when I was 15, but the only thing I remember is we got different fast food every Wednesday. I don't remember any of the stories. Um, I tried to join the military at 30, and I was too old. I was ready to die, but I wanted to die for a good reason. Basically, I, uh, I was a bartender, I was an alcoholic big time, and I just kept screwing up my life, not tragically but badly. And I would I would always pray to God when I was sick or close to dead or when I got in trouble, I would seek him, but I never had any clue what it was like. But it it took me to where I was completely humble. I was asking like tons of questions, tons of skeptical questions and yeah, so that's where I was at. And I was open. I was openly praying with people, strangers. Um. Yeah, and I just had, I was, I was at the end of myself and desperate, humble. Does that make sense? I mean, that's ready that's to usually, die. I didn't I mean, care.
0: I mean, I think more time. Maybe not. I don't know the stats, but it seems like a lot of times that I mean that's kind of where people um you know, where people find God. Right. And then, I mean, of course the counter is, well, you're vulnerable and able to be taken advantage of, but I mean, you know, if it lasts 20 years later and you're still going strong, I think that argument kind of dies. If it's temporal and it fades when you get your life back together, maybe that's when you can make that argument. Uh, But to keep going strong, I think, you know, there's something that's stuck and, you know, whether you believe the Bible or not, it's in there. Like, you know, God is near to the brokenhearted, right? Like, like whenever people are in that state, is it any wonder like they're, they're more receptive and they, fine God uh, versus people that you know think their life is fine and they don't need a God and they have everything put together um, I mean it's in the Bible so maybe that's one of those things it's just an interesting coincidence um, but I mean you know I think there is a spiritual backing behind it um, what are your thoughts Michael and then we'll see what Gary has
3: to say yeah I think it's I, I think that's uh, an interesting thing it, it does seem to me it's it's one interesting statistic that I've always Uh, found interesting that people that the majority of people who are uh, incarcerated are believers. I've always found that interesting, but yeah, I've, I've spoken a lot. Let's move on to other people and let them talk.
0: Uh, Gary, what's up? How are you today? Are you speaking? Uh, If you want to speak, you got to find the microphone, hit the mute button. Let us know if you want to speak. Constantine, did you find the verses you were looking for for uh, Chris? Who's still waiting over yonder?
8: No, sure. I mean, uh, I'm sure everybody knows Ecclesiastes, for example, right? So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to quote Context. Ecclesiastes five. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just read it and you decide for yourself. So the living at least know they will die, but the dead, the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. Uh, gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on Earth. So go ahead, eat your food with joy, drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this, and uh, that kind of thing. So, I mean, he's, he's saying, when you die, you die. I mean, there's nothing that goes anywhere.
5: That's not what he's saying. That's a ridiculous, kind of illiterate take. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but literally what he's saying is, this is the context on Earth, of, I mean, it's it's there in what you just read, and I can't believe that you interpreted it a different way. That's just crazy to me. But basically, what he's saying is, <clears throat> look, all the stuff that you do here on Earth in a few generations, nobody's going to remember you because you're dead. That's all that's talking about. That's not talking about an afterlife in any way. It's not even dealing with that subject. Okay, so it's just says, that's just an says, insane but,
8: verse. Okay, further down he says, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Why is he saying there's no knowledge, no wisdom, no planning when you right. go to the grave?
5: Because you're in the grave, not on earth. You're not. You're not contributing to what is going on on earth. That is not saying that there is no afterlife. This the idea that Jews. Uh, in mass, did not believe in an afterlife. There was a small sect that did not believe in an afterlife called the Sadducees, but the vast majority of Jews in this period and in Second Temple Judaism believed in an afterlife. To claim otherwise is to be ahistorical.
8: They just didn't have a concept of the soul that's how somehow juxtaposed against the body. I mean, for them, soul is just life. I mean, that's just, you know, your breath, that's, that's the soul. And, I mean, uh, cool story, uh, brother. You gone. haven't your demonstrated
5: that gone. at all. And then I can demonstrate to you multiple ways in which we have all over the scripture the idea of life after death and something happening to your soul after you die. Like, I mean, it's constant throughout the prophets. And even Jesus brings out um, in in Matthew 22, uh, 29, he brings out that even the Torah teaches that there's life after death by pointing out that I am is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. And so this nonsense that you're, I don't know who taught you this, but it's just, it's If you're going to be honest with the text, and I know that you want to try to be honest with the text, Constantine, you're not just saying stuff. Like, it's just a vastly stupid idea.
8: Okay, well, can you find me a concept of heaven in the Old Testament, for example?
5: I don't need to. I just need to know that there is grave. I just need to know that there is an afterlife. Um, And in the New Testament, heaven is simply where Jesus is. So we know very little about heaven in the New Testament. We know very little about heaven in the Old Testament. We know that there is the abode of God. It is not something that God has chosen to reveal to us. But what we do know is that even Jesus pointed out to the Sadducees, which they didn't have an answer for, for over a thousand years, they couldn't answer this question. Um, And we have this documented that, you know, when he brings up, is not the god of the dead but the living it completely flummoxed literally every torah scholar for a thousand years so i mean you know it's just just i would just say maybe pick up a few other sources rather than just you know the ones that you have been reading and and try to read a few more conservative scholars that are giving you a counterpoint so that you can come to a synthesis understanding rather than the understanding of one side. I read liberal scholars all the time. I'm reading Elizabeth A. Clark right now. So like my challenge to you is instead of continually reinforcing your worldview with you know, continuing to read liberal scholars, try to challenge yourself a little bit by reading some conservative scholars who answer these objections.
0: And for the record, you may want to check out Olam HaBah. Um, apparently it's a Jewish sect, that does totally believe in the afterlife. Um, They believe the soul is is eternal, and after death, your spiritual spiritual existence continues in a state closer to God. And uh, apparently uh, there are plenty of rabbinic literature and text that uh, mention resurrection and even some Jewish mysticism, like Kabbalah, uh, is Madonna still under yes, that? Yes, resurrection. Anyways, that, like,
8: that's, that's the key point. Well, well, and, and,
0: hey, hold on. Finish, Nate. You're amazing. Okay, I'll finish. Um, and when you get to like Kabbalah, you know, they can like take it to reincarnation. But the first thing, the, check out the Olam uh, which apparently believes in a spiritual existence and a soul, which uh, is probably the closest you're going to get to like the Christian heaven type thing, like living with God. Um, and then from there, you can get to like resurrection and reincarnation. But Olam Ha'bah, check that one out.
8: So, I mean, in the in the Old Testament, you have a few examples of people going to God's abode, but God takes them in the physical form. So they're like taken up. It's not their soul that goes to God and their, you know, their body remains on earth. God literally takes their body up to heaven. I mean, that's, that's the image you have.
5: I mean, but look, dude, like David even talks about seeing his son again in the afterlife in the grave. Like this is constantly throughout the scripture. Like the idea that You know, somehow that there was no concept of the soul or the afterlife, you know, in a non-physical sense is simply not supported by the text. I'm just saying, maybe before we make claims, we check out those claims to see if they're true, because the idea that the soul is this Neoplatonic concept that came about through, you know, Greek philosophy is simply not supported by the text of Scripture. It's a liberal claim that has absolutely no water I mean it's kind of like the liberal claim that um, Daniel was written uh, in the intertestinal period and the reason that they say that it is the only evidence they have for Daniel being written in the intertestinal period is that the prophecies are too accurate and they couldn't have been written when Daniel wrote them because that would be supernatural prophecy that's literally the liberal argument it's stupid
8: no, no, there's, there's, there's a plenty of arguments. So there's a linguistic um, argument. There's an argument for the fact wait, that when,
0: when Daniel in, Stop, talks, stop, stop. No, I can't anymore. Like, the question's answered. Olam Haba means the world to come. It's not a sect. So just Google that. I wanted to copy and paste, but my chat only goes like three lines. So I can't do it because Clubhouse sucks. So check that out. Olam H-A-B-A. Like, everything you're saying doesn't exist. It literally does. Like, go find a rabbi and tell him his religion and his people are all wrong. Like, go to Judaism and tell them they're wrong because they believe that souls exist. So everything you're saying is not true. I'm literally reading it as you're saying it. I'm like, whoop, he's wrong there. Whoop, he's wrong there. I mean, there's no no reason to continue the conversation. They believe in a spiritual ex- – this olam haba, this world, future world to come, believes that they're going to have eternal existence, and it specifically references the soul. So, like, not talking about Kabbalah or reincarnation or anything like that olam haba specifically is saying they believe everything you are saying they do not believe so i mean that's just the answer like if you want to dispute that go tell judaism they're all wrong and you know what they believe better than they do but there's no reason uh, to continue this it's making me go crazy um so check that out if you like um chris do you have a final thought or anyone else have anything else to say no james nosa
2: yeah, are you are you uh, closing the room now? Sorry, I was away for a while, so I just got back. Are you closing the room already?
0: Uh, already. I've been here like two hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, but are you closing? Because I wanted to bring back something that um you mentioned. I think while the room just started.
6: Uh, yeah, is that yeah. okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, regarding the um uh repentance after after death, right? Is that is that uh-huh. That's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, so I was going through that um, passage that um, all of us actually quoted. That um, it's appointed for man to die once, and after death, judgment. There, like, w- what would you say you understand by judgment? There, would judgment be God saying you're good or you're bad? If you're bad, hell. You're good, heaven. Is that what you would understand as that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, but now, would it? I don't know how time works after death, but you would you would see in some parts of uh, the New Testament also. I think Paul was writing to is it the Thessalonians? I think where he was talking about the brothers asleep, that because of what Jesus has done, the brothers asleep would rise again in the uh, the judgment day. For example, you get. So my question is or my observation is if it's appointed for man to die once and after that is judgment, is it instantaneous for that man who has died or does the man have to wait until – yeah.
0: So we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, Someone had Mm -hmm. an interesting idea and I I mean no matter how it happens, like it it doesn't matter, like it's going to happen. So if you want to like put a time gap, that's – whatever, um, technically or practically, it doesn't make a difference, but so someone was positing the idea that, you know, you, you don't instantly die. You continue I think they were saying like your consciousness continues or whatever, but from your perspective, as soon as you die, boom, you're judged here in heaven. However, that could be, um, not like someone like your, if your grandma died 50 years ago, she's been in heaven 50 years. Um, like you're saying, so anyways, we talked about it yesterday and someone kind of posed the idea, that from our perspective, as soon as we die, it seems like we're, we're judged. Um, but that could take thousands of years in the interim. But we're not just like dead and we're not just kind of like existing and continued consciousness. Um, it's like we're, we're like something with, with like time. We're like time stopped or something. Not like soul sleep or anything like that. But from our perspective, that's how it is. So not like someone's going to be like, oh, I've been in, heav- I've been in heaven 10,000 years and you just got here. It's a welcoming committee. Um, one view is that. The other view is, no, whenever it happens, people who are dead are still dead for the last 10,000 years or whatever. And whenever the end comes and everyone is judged, uh, that's when everyone's going to be like, oh, I I just died. And we're like, "Nah, bro, you've been dead 10,000 years. Here's Jesus. Um, So I don't know what to say other than we talked about uh, various interpretations of that.
2: Okay. Yeah, because what I was just thinking of is what would the soul be doing? yeah if it's waiting for thousands of years but so i kind of ascribe to the first uh explanation there that uh um it would for that human has died would be like instantaneously facing judgment and yeah i
5: think you have on that chris I- i'm sorry i'm in the middle of something else i wasn't really listening about like the instantaneous like You know, you you (laughs) die and you show up and it's the great white throne judgment kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, instantaneous versus not. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm not really aware.
7: Would it be fair to say that our soul isn't affected by time? Is that true?
2: Yeah, I I guess so. I don't – I guess so, to to be honest, because time is something, I would say, bound to our physical nature and physical realm. Yes. so – and these are supernatural things, so I don't really think time would even make sense in that realm. Yeah,
0: And this is one of those – and this is one of those things where I think it was random yesterday. It's like, you know what I haven't heard during uh, during any of this because we were talking about stuff the Bible is not explicit on? So it's like, I haven't heard anyone say, we don't know. So yeah, let me be the first to say, we don't ultimately know. Like if you die in the in the next millisecond, you're, uh, you know, Jesus is right in front of you. Or if it takes like a day or, you know, a, a billion years, but um, it's because the Bible is not explicit on the metrics of time. Um, what it is explicit on is it's appointment wants to die and then comes the judgment. So how much time or what consciousness level or what, um, intermittence of time passes between there, we don't know. <laughs> so it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting to think about because, I mean, what else are we going to do? Just be like throw our hands up in the air and be like, well, let's not talk about that. Um, so I mean, we <laughs> talk about it. We come up with the most likely of scenarios, but ultimately we don't know. What we do claim to know um, is repent, believe the gospel, and no matter how much time passes, you'd be on the right side of this. And I think Michael mentioned earlier, oh, he's gone now. Uh, it's the ultimate like carrot or the stick. Um, meaning like, you know, well, you can come into heaven nicely or by, you know, being threatened with eternal torture and punishment, um, you know, it's kind of a way to, to force someone to believe it, which I I mean, or, or like threaten someone to believe it, which I mean, that doesn't make it bad either. Like if you're doing it for nefarious causes, if someone's trying to like force somebody to, you know, give them their bank account number so they can be a thief and steal money and they're trying to do it nice and they're trying to do it mean, well, yeah, that's bad. That's a bad person. Um, But if you're you're doing it because you're sincerely hell-believing, you're like, yeah, there is a heaven and there is a hell. So you never need to hear about hell to go to heaven. All you need to hear about is the God who loves you and died for you and resurrected so you can be forgiven, born again, given eternal life. That's all you need. If you never hear about hell, you can still be saved and go to heaven because God loves you. But if you've had the benefit of sticking around and hearing about hell, yeah, for all the people that reject God and eternally thumb their nose at him, Um, Then there is a hell that was created for the devil and his angels, and that's where you're going to be right with them. So, you know, we don't want you to be there. Please don't be there. (laughs) Um, And it's like, you know, we're not getting a benefit out of it, um, except for, you know, trying to follow our beliefs and what we believe and, you know, do some good. Anyways. So anyways, buy carrot or stick. Um, You know, if you're in heaven, you're in heaven. Good job. Congratulations. That's the point. And then if someone honestly doesn't believe it enough, like, you know, if I'm, other people will tell me in their religion I'm going to hell if I don't believe their beliefs, well, thank you for sharing that. I don't want you to lie to me. So if you believe I'm going to burn in your version of hell for not believing like you, then fine. If I felt a certain way about that, maybe I would follow you. Um, but for me, I'm convinced in what I believe, and that it is correct. So, you know, I'm confident in my faith. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Great. Well, everyone have an awesome day and I guess we'll see you all next time. Take care,
7: everybody.